Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. number one movie of 1984, a year lauded as one of the best years in cinema. It's one of AFI's 100 funniest comedies, and Eddie Murphy is at the top of his game. And somehow cops are smart in this movie. And black. (laughs) This is 80s Movie Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. Beverly Hills Cop is about an undercover Detroit police detective who takes a vacation in Beverly Hills to investigate the murder of his childhood buddy. And somehow, most of the cops in his precinct are uh, people of color. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're correct. I, it is interesting to see that, looking back. I don't believe that was the norm. Um, I think this is part of what, of the legacy of Beverly Hills Cop, that we didn't see black cops as lead characters. We didn't see black cops as positive characters. Well, there is Mr. Tibbs from In the Heat of the Night. Yes, you're right. And there was Shaft, but Shaft was black exploitation still. It was, you know, it was it was still stereotypes. And Beverly Hills Cop is not a stereotype. And it really showed, you know, uh, a, 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 you know, I mean, there's still 80s-isms, right? 80s-isms. I think I just made that up. Um, in the film... In the sense of, you know, we still have this uh, kind of freewheeling, the rules don't totally apply to me character in Axel Foley. And we see that kind of male character all over 80s movies. You know, it's it's not really disrespecting authority as much as, as usual, but it is, you know, this kind of I know better and I'm going to do it my way and it's all going to work out. And, and, and that's still present in Axel Foley. But ultimately, he's like, I've got a, there, there's a difference here. And the difference in, in the way that he defies his superiors is that he has a personal stake in the case. And he doesn't believe that anyone will probably follow it through um, and that he has to solve it. It's just something that he has to do on his own. And, and so I think I almost can, you know, so we can kind of look at that character and be like, well, he did fall into some of the same things you might see with, you know, Bill Murray from Stripes to some degree or some of these other 80s characters that uh, that were, you know, something from some from Caddyshack, for example. You know, like we, we see the similarity, but it really is different in that there's a strong integrity with Axel Foley that gets played out. And then what did you think about the Beverly Hills Cops? Uh, the Beverly Hills cops somehow were stricter than the rest. <laughs> I don't know if I feel like that's true or incredible or incredibly not true. Well, I think, you know, I didn't live in LA in the eighties, so I don't know, but I do know that one thing I learned when I moved here is you don't speed in Beverly Hills. 
that they run a very tight ship. I never, I have personally, as a white person, never heard about it being related to racism. Um, I've, but I just know, you know, you don't mess around anybody. Nobody messes around in Beverly Hills. They're very by the book. Um, and the story, supposedly, the story that that helped inspire Beverly Hills Cop was uh, that Michael Eisner, who was a very powerful person who was the head of Paramount, when he was like in 1975, and he was driving through Beverly Hills in a beat up car, you know, and he got pulled over and the cop treated him uh, you know, with a, an air of superiority and kind of condescending toward this guy in this messed up car. Now, this guy goes on to be a very powerful person. And so his idea, and he's white, you know, and the idea wasn't really that Beverly Hills was looking down on black people, but that they were, uh, that that's just how they are. They're very by the book. And so I think, but I think that's another interesting thing about the film in that, again, and this is what is right with your parents, I guess, is like that the cops, the cops aren't bad. You know, I kept waiting to find out that uh, that that the that the whole conspiracy and the drug dealing and everything was going to go back to the police chief. That's what I kept thinking was going to happen. Yeah. Detective Foley, I'm Lieutenant Bogomil of the Beverly Hills Police Department. Do you wish to file charges against Sergeant Taggart? This is some kind of joke, right? Do you wish to file charges against this officer for assault? Look, where I'm from, cops don't file charges against other cops. No, I don't want to do that. Well, in Beverly Hills, we go strictly by the book. Now, why didn't you inform us when you came to town? I'm on vacation. What Beverly Hills cops' legacy really is, is making this positive, funny, uh, black police detective, cop, agent into a prototype you know that we would see with will smith in his future films that we would see you know with chris tucker and interestingly the film before was called 48 hours and in that film uh eddie murphy teams up with a cop it is a buddy cop movie but he is not a positive character you know he is a criminal and um and and they wind up having to work together so it's really bill uh it's really eddie murphy that makes this huge shift and creates his own stereotype positive stereotype for black characters so i think that's pretty astounding pretty impressive um the other, but you know, there are these these '80s moments, right? You just can't escape '80s movies without certain things that just don't need to be there, like the N word, like the N. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and who, you know, who is it uttering it? I mean, it's it's Eddie Murphy. You know, he's the one who uses it. But that is shocking to hear that. Um, there and there are some other. There are some stereotypes in here, but. I felt like they weren't as like I remember Bronson um, Pinchot as Serge as the art gallery assistant, and I remembered in my mind that he plays a gay character. But when I watched it, and I expected based on my memory to be fully offended in today's world, right? Like whatever they did in 1984, this over the top gay character, it's going to be so offensive. And when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, he's great <laughs> you know i didn't even think he was gay he just sounded french i'm fine my name is sales and how can i help you um yeah i'm looking for miss jenny summers it's very busy today maybe you give me your name my name is axel foley and uh, what it's pertaining i didn't understand what you said pertaining what it's meaning regarding oh what's it regarding 
I'm an old acquaintance of hers. Donnay, one moment. Donnay, when you tell me, Summers, that uh, Mr. Ahmed Fali is here to no, see... Axel Foley. Axel. Ahmed, Ahwell. Axel. Fali is here to see her. These are old acquaintances. Donnay, this is covered this up. It's I'm like sorry. the breast of a dog to scrub for the customer. It's not sexy, it's animal. No, it's not sexy at all. May I offer you something to drink? A wine, a cocktail, a, a espresso? No, I'm fine, thank you. I'll make it to myself right back there with a little lemon twist. It's good. Try it. No, I'm, I'm fine. He wanted to parody the people of undistinguishable background who live in Beverly Hills. He's from somewhere European, right? Like, you know, he's somewhere. He, the way he pronounces his words, the way he moves his body, everything. Uh, maybe he's gay, maybe he's not, probably he is, but like it doesn't matter. He's just so amazing, amazingly funny, and there is this authenticity to it. Um, and then there's the other character, which is Eddie Murphy, then pretending he's a gay character with herpes simplex 10 to try and get into the um, exclusive private club to confront Victor Maitland. I'm looking for Victor Maitland. Uh, you realize that this is a members-only club? Mm-hmm, but I have to talk to Victor. It's very, very important. Are you sure it's Victor Maitland you want? Oh, yes, Victor Maitland, the gray-haired gentleman, very dark-skinned, Capricorn. Victor. Um, well, why don't you give me the message, and I'll take it to him. Okay, I guess I can do that. Um, tell Victor that Ramon, the fella he met about a week ago, tell him that um, Ramon went to the clinic today, and I find out that I have... Um, Herpes simplex 10. And I think Victor should go check himself out with his physician to make sure everything is fine before things start falling off on the man. Uh, perhaps you better tell him that. I don't really have a problem with this one either. We know that Eddie Murphy does have some homophobic hangups. We know that from watching his specials. We talked about that with Delirious. Things that really weren't helpful uh, to the to the gay community. But in this portrayal, it was, you know, really him trying to trick some white maitre d' into letting him in the club, and it's effective. So he's not really trying to play someone who's actually gay. And so I, I, I didn't, I was like, okay, I have no problem with that. <laughs> so I was relieved. I was relieved to see that. Another thing that's remarkable about the film is there's no love story except the love story between friends. And I thought that was remarkable. As soon as we saw Jenny, I was like, oh, here we go. You know, got to have the girl to be the love story. But that's not it. You know, there is a real love story between Axel and Mikey. And I think that is also extraordinary for this kind of film, that there is a moment, right, where... Mikey, you know, Axel said, why didn't you rat on me? You know, why didn't you tell him I was a part of stealing the car? Why, you know, why he went to jail? And, and he's like, don't you know? Don't you know? I love you. You know, and they just let that moment hang. They just sit it out there and for you to absorb for these two men realize that they have this love for each other. And that is extraordinary. Now, of course, that scene sets up everything else because then when we see Mikey get shot and they put it on camera, 
right? When they see it, when you watch it, you feel Axel's pain, even though Axel's knocked out and he doesn't even see it. You feel how much that's going to impact him. And you understand why Axel goes on his journey. But I thought it was really remarkable to see men expressing themselves like that and not having and, and not having the overtone, you know, uh, like we see in Bill and Ted, right, where they hug each other because they're so relieved. And they and we, of course, know Bill and Ted love each other. But when they but when they hug each other, they look at each other and go fag. And that's the kind of thing that you normally would see in an 80s film with men. If men express their their love for another for their friend. Right. Like it's got to become gay, you know, like you have to insult it in some way. And so we don't get that there. We really have this true, wonderful love story. But because there is no romance with Jenny, that she's just another one of their childhood friends and who, who cares for Axel and Mikey. Uh, and there's, there's, there's no, you know, sexual affection or, or tension. We got to have some TNA in there somewhere cause it's an eighties movie. So they got to go to a strip club. Mm-hmm. And then there we have like, you know, they gotta, we, we see some nipples, we see some butt and a, and a string. And I was like, is this necessary? I thought they played it off as, as a reason to make the strip club work. The idea that you're making, Taggart and uh and Billy so uncomfortable well Billy's not uncomfortable he's just like such a uh little puppy like just looking around in wonder of everything that Axel does um and he's another fantastic character of just being like I'm just waiting for this moment to happen where police work gets exciting and here comes Axel Foley and he's completely trying to follow the book but at the same time you know gets caught up in Axel was there anything about the film that shocked you or surprised you or just was I mean you laughed the whole film yeah it was pretty good it, it wasn't it just wasn't like offensive it wasn't anything bad it was just actually funny <laughs> yeah yeah I I think really the negative influence here that the, the thing that left me with a bad taste in my mouth even though it's funny right is that Axel teaches the Beverly Hills cops to lie you know, even their boss at the end, right? Like there's the whole, the great scene where he's like, the super cop thing was working, you know, <laughs> when, when he initially tries to float a lie by so that Taggart and Rosewood won't be in trouble and they instead tell the truth. And then by the end, even their boss is lying to the chief and they all are in on the lie. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we can look at this and we can think it's funny and we can laugh. But yeah, what we're really saying is we're going to falsify paperwork and no one will be the wiser. And that is a slippery slope because look where we are now. Just a tad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now this is where we are with cops, where now we feel like, well, can we trust, you know, with all that's going on with police, we don't necessarily trust what they tell us when they say, well, he pulled a knife on me and there happens to be, a, you know, well, the knife is next to the body. Does, even though we don't have any footage of the guy with the knife, do well, we believe I mean, that? There's, there's a reason why they have to have footage on them, and there's a reason why they decide to turn off the camera. Right. Well, that exactly. This is the suspicion we now have. So this idea that in 1984, and I don't think things were hunky-dory with cops in 1984. I was a kid, and my memories didn't have this, uh, you know, growing up in, in Kansas and Oklahoma as a, a you know, a white kid who had a nice upper middle class life. Like I had no awareness. I had no, the whole, uh, straight out of Compton, you know, when I watched that movie, that was like an eye opening moment for me because as an adult, because I didn't, that wasn't part of 
any experience I even heard of. And I worked at a police department in the early 90s, as we've talked about. And I there was I, there was none of that in my world. And so um, but the idea that in 1984, this great picture of 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 this great relationship that evolves from this black Detroit cop coming in and sort of showing the the police Beverly Hills police you know to open up their senses and open up their uh, police their detective skills to 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 be more aware of what's going on around them that's nice but then the let's falsi- falsify the paperwork thing just is like uh that didn't end well you know <laughs> didn't age well well it doesn't age well and i'm just saying you know if everything's an encouragement whenever you see something in a film it's an encouragement it's a yeah this is okay and when you have a positive character that is beloved you know do something in your brain it opens up an avenue where maybe that's okay even if you know better and so you know you're not a cop i'm not a cop who knows but it gets in there it worms its way in so i I think that's the only thing um there's one other thing i want to talk about before we go we have um you know we've been doing this podcast for two years you're 19 we started when you were 17 and you know really it was to look at what's going on in the world around us and and look at where some ideas might have come from, you know, and, and, and 80s movies can show us how these films influenced a generation, but also can look back and we can see what was going on at that time to help us understand where we are now. And, you know, you've had a voice that has really grown stronger as we've done this. You've always had opinions and um, you've had a stronger voice as we've gone through but we've had some interesting pushback um, because I think that what this podcast is, is we, we look at these films and how it influences us, but it also allows people to see how someone of Generation Z, the, the growing more, you know, generation who's more politically active, whose voice is getting stronger, who's less willing to take the norms of the past and, and understand what's going on it helps to get in the mind of someone from Generation Z. So... A lot of sometimes you say things that are really outspoken and uh, it doesn't sit well with an audience who is listeners who are 45, 55 years old. And I think the idea isn't to be insulting to my generation, but to help my generation understand how your generation sees us and this behavior. So I, I just wanted to say, like, that's what this is. And if you can't look at yourself and you can't look at these films, that we, you know, we love them. We all love these movies. But the, the, there, there's, it's a Hansel and Gretel situation. There's breadcrumbs. And it helps us find our way home, you know, to, to who we really are, to where it came from, to why we act the way we do. And that's what this podcast is about. So thank you for listening. Um, we appreciate your support. You can, you know, always find our uh, podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as apparently random places around the internet, as I found. <laughs> and social media. <laughs> on social media, you can follow us at 80s Movie Guide and check out the website, 80smovieguide.com. Thanks. Thanks.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.